Glad you're here and, and uh, excited about this message series. So like Brent said, if you missed last week, make sure you go listen to it because these, not every sermon series is like this, but this one really builds, okay? Last week was like, as he was saying, it was ABC. Today's kind of like LMNOP. And uh, next week's going to be XYZ, okay? So let's don't jump. Make sure that you get the ABC and all of the stuff in the middle, okay? So that's where we're going. Let's have a word of prayer. And I got some things I want to challenge you with this day. Can you pray? Can you pray and say, God, challenge me? Is that okay? Will you ask God to do that? Come on, let's pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you for your presence that is here. I thank you, God, for salvation in Jesus Christ. Like we were singing that song, God, celebrating, God, what you have given to us through salvation, God, through, through uh, the death of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for that, and I thank you, God, for the love that you put inside of us for others, and, and, and that now, God, today you would challenge us, Lord, to, uh, for this, this, um, this, this next part of this sermon series. You challenge us, and God, we're ready. Hit us, God. Tell us, challenge us today. Show us, God, what we need to be doing differently, what we need to be doing better, God, what we need to change, God, what, what we can, how we can reach somebody, God. Uh, someone did that for me. Someone did that for those sitting here, and we need to be doing it now for somebody else. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, you may remember that uh, if you heard, Dave and I just a few weeks ago had the awesome privilege of going to Pennsylvania to officiate a wedding, Keller and Alicia getting married in Pennsylvania. And um, right after the wedding, we drove down to uh, Maryland, just across the line from D.C., stayed there and just went into D.C. several days there and just enjoyed it. That was David's second trip. It was my first trip. So everything was amazing and uh, new and awesome to me and, and just, just a powerful way. And one day we went into Arlington Cemetery and just blown away by the thousands and thousands of graves that were there. Now, all of the people buried there didn't necessarily die in service, but all of those people were in service. And if you're in service, if you're ever in service, you, you gave your life for me is the way I look at it. Even if it wasn't required of you, you put your life out there. You gave your life for me. And so all those people just seeing all of those and, and then thinking about this is just one cemetery in this country, one military cemetery in this country. And this is just one country of the world. All of the wars that have been, been fought, and it really deeply impacted me. And, and another thing that impacted me deeply was every day somewhere in, in D.C., we were reminded of our nation's uh, history of slavery. And uh, it was just everywhere. We were seeing pictures, reading stories, hearing accounts, and, and things of the slavery. And... and you know, you might be like a lot of people that just want to say, well, that was the past. Let's just forget about it. You know, it's hard to forget about it when you're looking at pictures of real people and you're listening to the stories of real people and you're thinking about these were real people who had, who had their, their, their humanity, uh, their dignity just taken from them uh, as, be, as best as people tried to. And how, how they were treated, how, they were, how, how they, were, they were hurt, they were beaten, many, many even killed. And, and never had what you and I would consider freedom and true humanity. And just, and just looking at this, and every single day, I mean, it was you know, several different places. Even places you didn't expect to see it, boom, there it was again. The last thing we, we went to see, uh, the last day, was we went to uh, the Holocaust Museum. And I could have spent two or three more hours in there. I mean, we, we kind of took our time, and yet we kind of hurried in some other ways as well. 
and just seeing that. Now, now look, I'm a man, okay? I'm a guy. And blood doesn't bother me, you know, uh, blood and guts, that kind of stuff. It doesn't really bother me or whatever. I, 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 I see pictures. I see stories, you know. That kind of stuff, it doesn't bother me. But there were several times in the Holocaust Museum that I had to turn away, that I couldn't watch the video anymore, that I couldn't read the rest of the story, that it, it, it was just too much. And, and there were times that, that I was tearing up and I was beginning to wipe my eyes and, you know, and my, my righteous indignation was raising up inside of me and I was just thinking, is there nobody else in here that is, that is being, you know, being impacted? Like, and then I started looking around and noticing other grown men like me tearing up and wiping their eyes and seeing this and over and over. And over the next few days, you know, coming home, coming, coming back to the hotel, then coming home, and over the next few days, uh, there, there was a thought that, that started there, and it, it actually didn't start there because I, I've asked this before many times, but it started again there in the middle of all of that. And then over the next few days, it just kind of just kept building inside of me. And I asked that question again, which is where the title of today's sermon comes from. And I said, God, where were you in all of these battles and all of these wars? Where were you? You don't look at me with your own self-righteousness. I'm not the only person in this room that's ever asked God, where were you? And this is not the first time I've ever asked that question. You know, where were you, God? Where were you when, when slaves, and many of these slaves were Christians, and they were praying to you, God, and they were asking you, where were you? Asking you for deliverance. Asking you for help. Where were you, God? And the Holocaust, these were, these were your people. God, the ones you said. Israel. You call your people, and, and they, they, they cried out to you. Many of them believed in you. For, and, and God, where were you? And like I said, this wasn't the first time I've been this place before. I've stood with family members, and like, God, you didn't show up like we were expecting you to. Where were you, God? You know, then we, then we come home, and the Las Vegas shooting, massacre. Where were you, God? You know, and, and, and since we've been home, there have been several stories of the human trafficking here. here. I'm talking about here in Birmingham. I'm not talking about, you know, in other bigger cities. I'm talking about right here since we've been home. And again, God, where were you? And, and it's like this kind of just kept building in me until really I finally just asked God just a couple of days after we had been, been back and not knowing how much it would impact this message today. And I just really just said, God, where are you in all of this? And he answered. He didn't speak out of heaven. It wasn't audible. I didn't hear it with my ears. But he answered. In my spirit, I knew God answered me. I said, God, where are you? And you know what he said? You're not going to be blown away. You're wanting to be blown away by this. You're, you're wanting really good. So we all want an answer to that question, don't we? Do you know what he said? He said, I'm in you. You're in me, God. And, you know, and at first, I, like you may be right at this moment, I was disappointed. I wanted, I wanted more than that, God. I wanted to know that you had this big, huge, grand scheme and how you're working all this out and everything. And God, I wanted to know so much more than just you're in me. What, what do you mean, God? What do you mean you're in me? So 
So then over the next few moments, I don't know, a couple hours, and it, and it, this has grown even more probably over the next several days, and, and uh, that it just occurred to me, what, what if, what if God has already done everything needed for there to be peace in this earth? You know, because where, we, where we're at, we're like, God, you're not finished yet, God. We still got problems out there. This world is a dark place in a lot of areas. And God, you know, like the things I've mentioned and the things that are going on, okay, now, now you may be living in your little places of light and like you don't, you, you, you just ignore the dark places. But this world's a dark place in some areas. And we're, we're thinking, God, you've got something else to do. God, they're, they're, you're not finished. You, you've got something else. And, and God says, I'm in you. You're in me, God. So what if God has already done everything that needs to be done for us to have peace in this earth and he's entrusted that to me and you? Oh, wow. He's entrusted that to me and you. What if? You know, I, I really feel like this is what God was saying is, is I, I have done everything and now I've entrusted it to you. John chapter 9, right? My next, yeah, verse 4 and 5. Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. Talking about God the Father. The night is coming and then, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, while I'm here, I'm the light and, and, and the light shines in the darkness. And he talks also and says that darkness didn't even realize what was going on. So while Jesus was here, he was light. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing the light. But now Jesus is gone. So where's the light? I mean, Jesus is gone. He, he says, while, just while I am here in the world, I am the light. So there was light while Jesus was here. And now we look, yeah, it looks like it's gone in a lot of places, doesn't it? But he wasn't finished. He did have a plan. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, yeah, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. He said, while I'm here, I'm the light of the world. There's a clue right there. He's gone. And so now what he's saying is, you are the light of the world. And, and you know what's happening now? I mean, the world's not supposed to be a darker place than when Jesus was here. It should be even brighter. If Jesus was here today in this service like he was, you know, back during the time of the Gospels, you know, that we read the history of his time here on earth, and when he was God in human flesh, if he was here just like that today, he could go to work with one of you tomorrow. Wouldn't that be awesome? You could take him to work, you know, he could walk around your office and, and he could, you know, he could help people, he could, he could heal people, he could just help people solve their problems or whatever. And you know what? He could be in that one office building tomorrow. But you know what he's done by leaving and by leaving his light in us? What he has done is he has, is he has spread the light out. So tomorrow, just, Jesus is not here in, in his fleshly body, he is here in your body. And instead of one place, to having light tomorrow. There should be a hundred and something places having light tomorrow and the other hundred that were here in the first service, right? And, and then the other hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands that are in churches all over this world today, those are the lights that are supposed to be going. So, so, so maybe the real question is not, God, where are you? Maybe the real question is, where are we? Oh, man, you 
Come on, y'all, y'all ever just talk back to God sometimes like that? Sometimes I'm reading the scripture, you know, and it, he just jumps on my toes like I just did with that comment, you know, and I just feel like a gut punch, kind of, and I want to just go, mmm, man, yeah, I mean, and so when God says, I'm in you, it's like, oh, wow. And so then I start thinking about all the times I didn't let my light shine. Not, not necessarily that I was walking in sin, but just didn't let it shine, you know? Just too busy doing other things, you know, just busy with this or with that. And, you know, and I didn't let my light shine. So perhaps, perhaps this world isn't such a dark place because God seems absent. Perhaps this world is such a dark place because we are absent. That we're not shining the light. We've got to be shining the light. This, 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 is, this is the call that, that we've got to be shining the light. Give me my next slide, if you will, Kevin. So when the, because when the light isn't shining, this world is a very dark place where 1.5 million people are in, are, are in uh, victims of human trafficking right now. Now, that's not like 1.5 million a year. That means this morning. At this moment right now, one and a half million people in, in the United States of America, are in, they are victims of human trafficking right this second. One and a half million Okay, you didn't want to hear this sermon, right? You want to hear a quick sermon, go home and eat your roasting potatoes that you left in the crock pot. We don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear about the darkness that is there, but it's there in commercial sex uh, industry, in, in forced labor, in, uh, in the organ trafficking that is going on in this country. One and a half million, while we today are just, man, we're in the light. We're enjoying this. We get to sing the, the songs of praise and worship. We get the excitement and the enthusiasm of just being together. And there are one and a half million people. They're victims of human trafficking right this second. When the, world, when, the, when the light isn't shining in the world, it's a dark place where every five hours a child in this country dies from child abuse. Not neglect, abuse. So by the time you... You know, finish your lunch and get home to your house. By the, from the point you woke up this morning till you get back home to your house, another child has died from child abuse. By the time you finish dinner and start getting ready for bed tonight, another child will have died. By the time you wake up in the morning, another child will have died from child abuse. Four or five every day die from child abuse. It's a dark place. When the light isn't shining, the world's a dark place where 3.1 million children die worldwide every year due to poor nutrition, and 10% of the world's population has no clean water. What, what does light have to do with that? Do you not see it? Can we not add two and two together here and figure it out yet? Well, if not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to point it out to you. I'm going I'm to be in your face with it, okay? I'm going to make sure you get it this morning, all right? But it's because... When there's no light, it gets to be a dark place where over 15,000 people are murdered and over 90,000 people are raped in the United States of America. One nation under God, a place of freedom and liberty every single year. When the light doesn't shine, this world is a dark place where even now today we are still struggling with racism. 150 years after the 13th Amendment, don't know what it is, Google it, okay? 150 years later, and we're still struggling with it. We still don't know how to deal with it. We still don't know how, how, to, how to handle it. I mean, it's, it, it, it's literally tearing our nation apart, city by city in some areas. And we still, when the light doesn't shine, it's a dark place out there. 
Well, what can one little light do? I mean, you ask that question, right? Okay, pastor, but I mean, I can't change it. No, you can't change it all, but you can change something. You know, all of those thousands of, of graves in Arlington Cemetery, every one of them was a light that went out and fought for my freedom and for your freedom. Harriet Tubman, you know, she, oh man, she, she is an awesome, interesting woman. You need to read her story sometime. Harriet Tubman, she, uh, she got, she ran away. She got free from her master. She was a, she, she was a slave. And she got free from her master and she ran away. And, and when she was finished running away, she actually made 13 or more incursions back into slave territory to lead 70 other slaves to their freedom. Now, that's not all her story. I got I to tell you one more little nugget or tidbit, but you need to keep it in context, okay? Because you're not a slave today. You don't get to pray this prayer, all right? But one day she prayed. She, she, was, she led prayer meetings. She, she called people to prayer. She wanted people to pray. And she was praying for her mass. She was praying, God, change him. God said, he he's beating us. He's, he's selling off our family to, to other slave owners and splitting up our family. God, God, you got to do something. you got to change this. And she was praying this until finally he, he was about to sell and, and, and split up the family even more. And she said, God, that's enough. She said, God, if you aren't going to change him, then kill him. Okay, now that's the part I said, you know, you're not in slavery. You don't get to pray that kind of prayer, right? If you got a bad boss, you don't get to go to work tomorrow and start praying that kind of prayer over your boss, all right? She was in slavery. She was watching this man and the people that worked for him beat. And some, no doubt, died because of their beatings. And she said, God, if you're not going to change him, then kill him. Less than two weeks later, he was dead. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not advocating you pray that kind of a prayer. But that's what this woman did, and she got free from hers, and she ran, but she didn't just run and keep running. You know what she did? She said, i got to go help somebody else. And she turned around, and she went right back to the place where she could have been caught. She could have been beaten and imprisoned because she was helping people, and she helped 70 more get there. Or Oscar Schindler, one man, one light. Oscar Schindler, who, who, who pretty much single-handedly saved 1,200 Jews from the Holocaust. 1,200 Jews from being destroyed by the, the Nazi party that he actually had been a member of. And 1,200 of them was, and he didn't just, he didn't do it, you know, sitting in a living room watching a TV and getting his phone out for a telethon and sending some money. He didn't do it, you know, just signing up and saying, well, I'll do a little something, I'll show up, we'll walk, you know. No, he was actually in the face of the Nazi party at any moment could have been found, he could have been, he, he could have himself been killed because of what he was doing. And he rescued 1,200 of those. What can one light do? What can one light do? Can I remind you? A lot of you are sitting here today because of one light in your life. Oh, let me not get too far ahead of myself. All right, give me the next slide, Kevin, if I can, right there. We want God's power in our lives. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't you want God's power in your life? Don't you want healing? Don't you want to be able in the middle of the night when your child is sick, you know, your, your little baby's sick, don't you want to be able to go and say, God, make this fever, leave them, and the fever go? Don't you want to, when, when there's not enough, you know, like when your income doesn't keep up with your outgo, you know, and, and you, you've got financial problems, don't you want to be able to, to, to just say, God, I need a financial miracle today, and God show up in some way? Don't you want to be able to do this? 
Well, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, last week I, I read to you from Luke chapter 10, but I had to skip some verses just for time, but I purposely are coming back to verse 19 today because I want you to see what, what kind of power God wants you to have. And look, Jesus says, I've given you authority over all power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Now, some people think this is literally snakes and scorpions, and so they actually have churches that up snakes and scorpions, you know, and things like that. Well, I'm a little bit more like Wendy Bagwell, and nobody younger than me knows who that is. But, you know, if God ever tells me to, I will, but he hasn't, and I ain't, you know. You know, so, I'm, you know, that's not what God's saying here. Most people understand this to be a spiritual, it's a symbol, because he's talking about the powers of hell. He's talking about the power of the enemy, that God, Jesus is saying here, I'm giving you power over the enemy, all the snakes and all the scorpions, and, and so it's not just the, the the, the, the real literal snakes and scorpions that are coming through your house in the flesh, but it's those, it's those spirits that are coming in like snakes and scorpions into your life that want to destroy and that want to bring damage. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you power over those things as well. And just very similar to this is Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Jesus says, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Uh, just like Luke 10 and 19, you're going to have power like that. Cast out demons and speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. That somebody will say, I am sick, they'll be able to just pray and say, God healed, just like Jesus did, and they will be healed. This is the kind of power that God says he wants to give to us. I mean, this is just two places that he talks about it. We're going to talk about some more next week. That he wants to give us this kind of power. But if we want to walk in that kind of power, we also have to walk in the power of love. You know, it's like last week was ABC, today's LMNOP. Next week is XYZ. If we ever want to get to XYZ, the, the end of this, the, the climax of, of the real power of God, we also have to walk in this power, the power of love. Jesus said, your love for one another, John 13, 35, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We have to also walk in the power. So, so here, here's, here's the reason we can't preach a power sermon series and just jump to the power. We, we got to get these other things right. Like this, the beginning last week, so that's why you've got to go back. If you missed last Sunday, you've got to go back and hear that sermon, okay? Because you've got to get this. And then this week, we got to get this. That this it's, a, it's about love. It's not, a, it's not just about getting the power. It's about love. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay, this is a paraphrase, all right? But 1 Corinthians 13 says this, that you can have all of the powers of heaven. You can have power like angels, but if you don't have love, it is worthless. That's what he says. It's got to be about all that. So, so then, what is the power of God for? We ever asked that question? That is my next slide, right? Or did I skip one? Oh, yeah, I skipped one. Thank you. So let me, let me get this one before, before we go into that. How does love impact this dark world? Because maybe we don't get it, so let's get it. How would human trafficking be impacted if all Christians in this country took a stand against for morality in their entertainment? If every single Christian in this country began to say, I won't go to those kinds of movies. I won't buy that material. 
I won't rent this stuff. I won't be a party to this. If every Christian, okay, that's not, maybe not enough to completely shut it down tomorrow, but if every Christian in this country, every person sitting in a church service right now this morning were to say, I'm going to stand for morality in my entertainment, how would that impact the entertainment industry and then also impact human trafficking? Mm. You see how light changes things? How would hunger and poverty be impacted if every Christian skipped just one grand latte or whatever your drink is? Maybe yours is a big gulp instead of a grand latte. But if every one of us just skipped one of those drinks, and from what they tell me, you can spend four or five dollars on just one of those drinks, you know. did, some, did somebody just do this and say it was so hard? I don't know. But if every one of us just skipped one of those drinks and then we sent that money to a relief organization or a clean water uh, organization somewhere around the world where they don't have clean water, if every one of us did that, every person sitting in a church service in the United States of America today started skipping just one drink a week and sending that money out there, how would that impact poverty and, and clean water in this, country, in this world today? You see how light changes things? How would child and spousal abuse be impacted if we Christians were walking examples of how to talk to and treat our families? If with everything within us, we never ever spoke harshly again to a family member. If if everything in us, we never treated our family with anything but the highest respect and we treated them like we should treat them. And we began to be examples Every, if every Christian, in the, every person who calls themselves a Christian and has joined a church, is paying tithes or involved, if every one of us said we're going to be the examples, how would that impact child and spousal abuse? You see the power of light? And how would murder and racism be impacted if we truly loved others like Jesus loved us? I mean, when I think of who he is, and how he treated me, and how he died for me. And if if all Christians, everyone sitting in a church across this country today started treating the the rest of the world, not just other Christians, but everyone started treating them the way Jesus, because I wasn't a Christian when he died for me. He knew what I would do. If every one of us started treating them like Jesus treated us, how would that impact murder and racism and hatred? You see the power of light? You see it? it, it real quick, I, I, I got to hurry, okay, but real quick, that next slide that I, was gonna, that I, I tried to go to, what is the purpose of God's power? See, we got to get this real quick, okay? That Luke 10, 19, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Snakes, scorpions, nothing's going to hurt you. You need to get the context. If you remember last week, if not, see, you need, to, you need to hear this sermon from last week. The context was this, is that Jesus was sending them out ahead of him to prepare his way. Go into these cities that I'm about to go to and preach to them, pray for them. Tell them this good news that I'm on my way. Bless them and do these things for them. In that context, he says, I'm giving you power. He gives them power to go do that work. In Mark chapter 16, that we also read about, you know, about all these signs that we're going to follow them. You know, that, that is in the middle of what we call the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I've taught you. And he says, these are the signs that are going to, this is the power that's going to be there. What's the context? The context is, it's not about us. I wore this on purpose today. 
It's not about me. The context of the power of God is, you know, I've, I've uh, attended churches, I've preached in churches, I have even pastored churches that believe the power of God was all for them. God's given it to us, for us. This hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half, some of them two and two and a half hours, but whatever, on Sunday morning, or even for a small group, that's not the reason for the power of God. If we think it's for that and we're just saying, God, give me power, God, heal me, God, take care of me and me and me, then, then we're never going to get there because we're skipping over the LMNOP. The reason, what, look right there, there it is over and over and over. What is the reason for the power of God? And then I like how, how, how Jesus gives us this example in Luke chapter 14 when he talks about the kingdom of God and how it, he likens it to a banquet that's being prepared. And he says, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that the house, God's house, will be full. The reason for the power of God is not for us. It's not for this moment. When we say amen and we walk out the door in just a little while and we go out there, that's when it begins. That the power of God is for us. God wants us praying for our family. God wants us praying for our coworkers. God wants us, wants us praying in school. Nobody can stop prayer in school. You know, you, you can say a prayer without uttering a word, you know. So that doesn't stop that. God wants us out there praying for people. That's why he wants to give us this power. He, okay, this is how... This is how the light impacts, impacts the world. And let me give, let me give you a good, I, I hope just real, down-to-earth example of this is how this works, okay? Uh, I, I could right now, I could talk about, you know, here at 2911, we believe that everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. He's gifted you. He has given you certain passions and things in you, and you can do things that nobody else can do. Every one of you is unique, and you have things to do for Jesus. And I could talk about your passions. I could, this would be a great time to do that. But I didn't realize when I started putting this message and sermon series together that it was going to fall today, nine days before a big event at 2911. I thought, wow, what an, what an amazing opportunity for me to just share with you. This is why we do it this way. Nine days from today is an event we call the Great Pumpkin Bash at 2911. He used to be the little brother to the great egg drop. The great egg drop went away and the great pumpkin bash got resurrected and it's been amazing. But why do I, you see, some of you are thinking, well, why do I need to be involved in some church activity? It's, it's more than just an activity. It is more than just, we, we don't see this as an activity or event. This is a ministry opportunity. And I want to show you why, okay? Because I want to tell you some things that happen at the Great Pumpkin Bash every year. All right? I want to show you. Here are five obvious reasons to keep doing the Great Pumpkin Bash. Uh, Great Pumpkin Bash. The first one is to feed a hungry child. I said this at the end of the, the first service last week. I didn't say it at the end of the first, uh, I'm sorry, at the end of the second service. Didn't say it at the end of the first, but did say it at the end of the second service last week. After Kristen said something, she was walking off stage. She had talked to us about the Great Pumpkin Bash. You know, every year we're feeding kids that would not have dinner. They would not have had something if we hadn't put a hot dog in their hand for free. We're doing that. You, you, can, you can ask the people that have helped with hot dogs. We are, we are feeding some kids. That's the kind of thing that happens at this. Because kids... Maybe, not, maybe that don't happen in your neighborhood, but the people that come here, they come from all around. Uh, the, the director here at the Civic Center, he is so excited about, he, he, he hung out with us last year at this, and he's excited that we're doing it again this year, and he, he told me the other day, he said, you know, I was checking, he said, I don't think anybody else is doing anything on Halloween night. 
Everybody else is doing their thing on Sunday night and Saturdays. He said, I think this is the only thing. He said, you guys may be, we might be swamped. And you know what's going to happen? People from all over these communities are going to come. And there will be kids here that will not get something to eat that night unless we put a hot dog in their hand. That's the kind of thing that happens here. That's why it's not just an event or an activity. Or, or to give busy families a safe place to have fun. That's something we learned early on when we started doing these community blessing events is we, we realized these busy, busy families, they don't have time. Dads don't have time to slow down and, and take time with their families anymore. And so we create an hour, two hours, however long they can be here, we create that time to spend with their families. And I know some of you may think, well, I'm going to be busy. Yeah, if you're working, you're going to be busy, but this ain't about us. This ain't about us anymore. That's why I wore the shirt. It's not about me. It's about somebody else. We create this opportunity for people, and that feeds right into the next one, to let kids see their parents laugh. That's going to happen nine days from now on a Tuesday night out here in the grass. I'll pray for good weather so we, we get to do it outside, okay? Uh, this is going to happen. There are going to be kids see their parents laugh for the first time in months because of the stresses and the strains that people are in and families aren't connecting anymore and, and kids are going to get to see their parents have fun for the first time in months because money is tight. They don't get to go on vacations. They don't get to do that. That's the kind of thing we're going to be able to see is going, going to happen to be the example to an abusive parent. And that sounds weird. We'll be, let me tell you what happens. You and I are not going to get much opportunity to sit in a room with someone across a table and to counsel them when they're being abusive to their family. Maybe, maybe physical abuse or maybe, as we say, just verbal abuse, but verbal abuse destroys. It destroys kids' hearts. And we're not, you and I, we don't get a lot of opportunities to sit across the table for somebody, but when, when someone who is, who is mistreating their, their, their family, maybe because they've just got so much on them and they don't know how to talk to their kids or their spouse anymore, and, and they're out here, you and I get to be the example. That, that kid drops something, spills something, and you and I get to, to clean it up with a good attitude and say, hey, buddy, come on, we'll try better next time or something, and just be an example in front of that parent. He said, he said, that don't happen. Yes, that happens at the great pumpkin bash. And that's not the only example we get to be in front of people. Because you know another thing that happens? You get the opportunity, and I was going to say this next slide. I got one more slide and we'll be finished, I promise. But I'm going to go ahead and say it right here. Is you're going to get the opportunity to hand somebody a hot dog and then try to pay you for it. And you say, oh no, this is free. You're going to get the opportunity for someone who is asking you, how much is the cotton candy? Because they can probably only afford one, and you get to hand them four or five of those cones with cotton candy on it. Say, oh, no, it's all free for your whole family. You're going to get to the, there's all kinds of opportunities. And the fifth thing is to be Jesus to our community. To be Jesus. This is why we do this. This is why, okay, so let me give you, let me, real quick, okay, as quick as I can, let me give you the five deeper reasons, the five deeper why, I'm sorry, four deeper whys of why we do the Great Pumpkin Bash. Number one, this is who we are as 2911. Um, come on, let's face it. Most of the times what the church does is we do our stuff and invite the community to it and we call it evangelism. You know, I mean, when I was growing up, we did revivals, right? And we invited the world. I don't remember the world showing up. In the 1800s, they did. In the early 1900s, they did from what people tell me. 
I mean, I've read the accounts, but I don't remember them showing up a lot at our revivals or singings or whatever it is we do, you know, and we, we do our stuff and we invite them. You come, why don't you come? To, and we don't understand why they don't show up. That's why we do this. This is not our event that we invite them to come to. This is their event. All those things I was talking about on the previous slide, it, this isn't about us. This is about them. We're doing their event, and we're inviting them to come to it. That's, that's what the heart of 2911 is, is it's not about me. You know what? It was about me one day. There was a day it was all about me. When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, it was all about me. There have been times that it was all about me when, when, when Jesus had people in my life that were praying over me. Now, family members praying over me, and pastors that were, had prayed over me, and, and others in the church that were praying over me. But you know what? As soon as I accepted Jesus Christ, it was no longer about me. It, I became one of those people to pray over somebody else. It's now about somebody else that needs to know who Jesus Christ is. And I am so amazed at this salvation power that I talked about last week. I want somebody else to get it. That's why we do this at 2911. Uh, secondly, this is what it took to reach us, and it will take the same selflessness to reach others. If you are a child of God today, there is at least one person in your past who set themselves aside, set, set aside their wants, wishes, their time, or whatever, selflessly so they could reach you for Jesus Christ. There is someone that was selfless in your past, or maybe several someones. Maybe people you don't even know about that prayed prayers, that reached out to you. That you are here today because of someone being selfless. Now it's time for us to be selfless for someone else. That's because this is what it takes. Because this is how Jesus did it. He didn't just preach about sin and forgive sin. He did that, but that's not all he did. He met people's needs. He took little children up into his lap and blessed them. He touched people that were sick and he healed them. He spoke blessings over people. And you know, and sometimes he even fed them. I don't think it was hot dogs and cotton candy, but it might have been even better because it was something he broke with his own hands and blessed with his own hands. That's why we do this, also, is because this is the way Jesus did it. And because this selfless serving is the most effective means of connecting people with Jesus. In the, in the Bible project, we just finished reading this week the book of Acts. If you're, I, ho I hope you're reading with us. If you're not reading with us, I really wish you'd join in. We just started Romans, I think, on Friday. So you can back up to Romans and start with us and finish this out. But reading through the book of Acts, you know, I kept seeing Paul just show up places and say something and, and just talk about Jesus a little bit and people receive him. Now, not everybody, but people just receive him. Now, how did that happen? Okay, I don't have time to give you all the theology. I don't have time to tell you all the stories. But, you know, here, here, here's the reason this happened. It's, it's, it's like that old saying. You ever heard it? People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And Paul, Paul didn't go into a temple and, and say, well, if they want Jesus, they need to come in here. Because that's the way we treat our evangelism a lot of times, don't we? If they want it, they can come in here, put it out on the sign, you know. Eternity, you know, vacation, whatever, you know, details inside, you know, and hope they show up. That's not what Paul did. 
Paul was out there. Paul, Paul was looking for places. He, he, he found out that the, the women went down to the river to wash the, their laundry. And so he would go down there just for the chance of being able to speak to them about Jesus. He knew that the, that the learned men of the city would go to the Areopagus. And uh, he would, he would uh, go there to, to, to tell them about Jesus for just the opportunity. He didn't stay. He went to them. And like Kristen said last week, this is the one night a year that they leave their house and they come to 2911. They don't come to a worship service, but they come right out there. And they stand out there. This is, I think this is the third venue now that, that we've used, you know, the third different place that we use. They come, they come to us, and they come to us from Fultondale. They come to us from Warrior and, and all parts in between. They come to us. They come to us. And so we're not sitting here just waiting. We're, we're out there with, with the stuff praying for good weather, right? So we don't have to have it inside. But we're out there praying with the, you know, with the stuff and just being the opportunity. So that's why, that's why here, here's the thing you get to do, okay? And, and I'm, I promise I'm wrapping this up right here. Here's the thing is you get the opportunity Tuesday night week. You get the opportunity. And you know, it, 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 it's, it's really tempting for me to say right here, you need to get back there and sign or you need to go online like Brent said a few moments ago and you need to sign up. You need to, re yeah, you do. But it'd be tempting for me to say, because we really need your help. But no, I'm going to say it this way. You need to get involved in this because this community needs to see the love of Jesus Christ through you. You need to put aside your stuff. I mean, yeah, Halloween's not my big woo, okay? I'm, I, you know, anything, you know? Okay, so, but you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm not walking around trick-or-treating with my grandkids, but you know what? My grandkids get to do this. They get to do something probably more awesome than trick-or-treating because they get to be a part of this and what's going on. And you need to join in and be a part of this because we're we're blessing a community. Let your kids, let your grandkids see what their little church of 300-something people, let them see them touch 1,500, maybe more lives, impact 1,500 lives this year in one night. Let them see that. Let them see that. And let's be the light again. Can I ask you to join me at the front, if you will? Thank you for staying with me for that lengthy conclusion. I appreciate that. If you come this way, if you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us down here. So please just move this way and for this final prayer. Now, in case you're getting a little distracted and think I've gotten derailed about where I'm supposed to be going with this, no, I'm talking about power, okay? Salvation power from last week is the greatest power that's ever touched any life. But there's a power in love and being the light that changes lives. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in your lives, not occasionally, not here or there, not just on Sunday morning, but what God wants to be able to do in your life every single day of your life. So we're getting ready for that, right? And so all these things work together. And I got one scripture I want to throw at you. A few verses right here that I think pulls all this together. And actually, I wish, I really just wish I had room on the slide and uh, a little bit more time. And we read a few more before that because Jesus uses this word believe over and over and over right here. Okay, but I got you a few of them right here. It's John chapter 14, beginning verse 10. Jesus said, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me. And so he says, and verses before that, he says, just believe. It's like he's saying, believe. Come on, believe. 
Come on, or just believe for this reason. Or just believe for this reason. Like last week, I was talking about our salvation. Man, embrace it, celebrate it, be excited. Do you ever remember that? If you're, you know, if you're a child of God, you've been a Christian for 10, 20 years, you might forget about how awesome salvation is. Remind yourself. You know, pinch yourself. Oh, wow, I'm a child of God. You know, do that because when you do, man, it makes you say, I want somebody else to have this. This is amazing. I want somebody else to get this. You see, you need to go back and listen to last week's message. All right? Because he says, whoever believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. He's, okay, so he says, you're going to be doing it. Now, this is not just a promise that you can do this because that's the way I've always heard it. It's like a promise. You can do this. No, this is an expectation. He's not saying you can do. He says you will do. If you're a believer, you're going to do works that I have done. This is an expectation. He's not just making it as a promise that this could happen in your life. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is going to happen. You're going to do what I'm doing. And what was Jesus doing? Jesus was being about somebody besides himself. Everything about his life was about other. He said I'm, he was reaching people. And he's saying you're going to be able to reach people. And if, and if you get that, if you really, if you really just, just celebrate and appreciate and enjoy your salvation, and you start being about other people, and he says, okay, then, I, then I'm going to send power. That's what, he, that's what he says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, capital A. So it's talking about a person who? who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. All of this right there together. This whole power thing is all there right there together. And so I want to pray over you right now. I want to pray over you that, 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 that you're getting all of this and that God begins working amazing power through your life. It's already started. If you're a child of God through salvation, it's already started. The power of salvation is already at work in you, cleaning you up. But now it's got to go to somebody else. Somebody else needs this. You know somebody? You need to invite somebody that you need to invite somebody to the great pumpkin bash, somebody that needs to know there is a Jesus that makes people like this say it's not about me. Somebody needs to see that and, and invite. That's why we need you out there. That's why we don't want to hire a crew to run that. You need to be there. Because you're the one that has the salvation that says somebody else needs to see and know this.